So I would say what makes me to Beyonce, you know, to me, Beyonce is perfection. She, like me, I think she overanalyzes everything. She wants everything to be exactly the way that it should be. And, you know, as you can see, anything that I do, I put my heart and my soul into it. So, you know, I'm going to do it to the best of my fucking ability. And that's a Beyonce. Stay tuned. We'll get to my conversation with Latrice Rogers right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. So before we get into my conversation with Latrice Rogers about this season of Bell Collective, I first must give y'all my recap and review of the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion part one. Now, the reason why I'm not giving this reunion review an entire episode <laughs> of Reality with the King podcast is because I just don't think it deserves one. <laughs> no shade. I don't think it deserves me talking about it more than 10 to 15 minutes at the most. The reunion was okay. It wasn't great to me. Um, Kenya Moore did an interview a few weeks ago, and she said that she thought the reunion was tame. And baby, one thing about the icon, the legend, the moment, Kenya Moore... Miss Thing does not lie. It was a very tame part one reunion. And based on the coming attractions for part two, it's even tamer. So I don't think I'm going to talk about part two because based on how part one went, I really don't want to talk about this one so much, but I will because I know you guys have been asking me to recap Atlanta Housewives. And I haven't done it since... Um, that episode where the girls went on the cabin trip. And I told you guys it was the worst episode in the history of the franchise to me. Um, and I said, I just can't continue talking about the season if these episodes aren't going to give me life. Like some episodes have this season. I gave the premiere episode B+. I gave um, two other episodes this season an A+. So I did talk about those. So yes, I'm very fair. I'm very honest. When it's great, oh baby, please believe I'm going to talk about it in my Lisa Renner voice. So I felt the need to talk about part one because you guys have asked me to. And I'm going to do it, but I can't promise you I'm going to do it for part two or part three. Just saying. So let's get into it. Okay, for starters, the set looked beautiful. I love the set. It had this Jamaican theme. It had a lot of birds and parakeets. I mean, throughout the reunion, 
Hearing them was a bit of a distraction, but whatever. It was fine to me. They had a bridge. Yeah. And then... (laughs) Yes, honey, a bridge. Not, um, you know, the London Bridge. Hey, Fergie. Not um, Bridge Over Troubled Waters for my gospel Christians, honey, who knows about those gospel songs. Nor uh, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child, who is the queen, honey, of singing a bridge. Yes. So they had a bridge where the ladies were walking down. I thought the ladies looked beautiful. My favorite looks was, I mean, I think Sheree Whitfield is one of the most beautiful women on Bravo. She looked stunning. She looked gorgeous. The body was right. Sheree was flawless. Soft look. The blonde was a hit. Her boobs were boobing. She looked gorgeous. Kenya Icon Moore looked like a superstar. Baby, she was giving me solid gold. She was giving me some renaissance of the Beyonce album, baby. She was giving me superstar. She looked like a star. A star. A star who sat in the middle, which we'll get into that later, um, because that was interesting. And I love Marlo look. Marlo, to me, is very pretty. Marlo, I mean, in my opinion, I think Marlo's skin is gorgeous. I love where Marlo wears her hair bone straight. I think Marlo is a very, very, very pretty woman. I mean, I think she's so soft-looking, very pretty. I thought she looked great. And I thought Drew looked very nice. Drew, if you're listening, because I know you are, keep that look. I don't know if that was Go Naked Hair. Whatever it was, keep the wig. I love the bundles. You looked beautiful. You looked very soft. I would keep that look. You you never looked better. Stop with the blonde wigs that you wore at the finale. That wasn't hitting it. You was giving me good old Anna Nicole Smith tease. May she rest in peace. That wig was giving me early days of Brittany Jean, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, mixed in with Mandy Moore. Do not ever do a blonde wig, Drew Sedora, okay? The look you gave at tonight's reunion was nothing short of fantastic. You look great. Okay, I got got that out the way. The girls look good. Okay, the most controversial thing about this reunion was not the content. It was the seating arrangements. I don't know who thought that seating arrangement was the biz naive. It was very confusing. It didn't make no damn sense. And Kenya, if you're listening, because I know you are, they are playing in your face, Kenya. And I, 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 I got to be honest. Marlo took Kenya's seat. So if you are a long watcher, a, a, a viewer, I should say, of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know that every single season, starting season five, Kenya Moore sits camera left. She sits on the left couch. So when you're facing the television to your left, Kenya always sits on that couch. She's been sitting on that couch since season five when she started. And Kenya normally gets first chair. There's been two reunions where she didn't, and I'll get into that in a second. But Kenya 100% always sits on the left couch, camera left. Girls, they gave Marlo her seat. And to me, 
that was a message to Kenya. I felt like that was a loud, bullhorn, Kenya Moore hair care display of a message to Kenya that, yeah, Marlo is here to take your spot because Marlo literally took her spot. And I know Kenya very well. When Kenya walked out last and saw Marlo in her seat, I promise you, promise you, Kenya was not happy. And nor should she be. It's sort of like NeNe Leakes. So let's go to the history of the reunions for that franchise. NeNe Leakes always sits on the right couch. Camera right. NeNe Leakes, (laughs) who is the greatest housewife of all time. Regardless if NeNe is going to speak, raise her voice, yell at the girls, or give a very much no response comment that she gave, I believe that was season 12 reunion, when she wore the black dress, she never looked, ooh, she looked so beautiful in that reunion. NeNe gave no response. Portia's like, NeNe did it. No response. Cynthia, NeNe, no response. They never dethroned NeNe's seat. Ever. Even when NeNe did not have a good season, NeNe Leakes knew when she walked out that she was going to sit next to Andy on the right side of, of him, on the right couch. Period. Okay? Same thing with Kim Zosiak. Even when Kim Zosiak was a friend to the show, baby, season 10 reunion. Let's be clear. By the way, season 10 reunion is so fucking iconic, and we don't talk about that reunion enough. Season 10 reunion was good. Really good. Honey, Kim Zosiak would always sit on the left couch. So what I just said about Kenya being on that side of the couch, that's because when Kim left the show, Kenya replaced her in terms of that seating assignment. Bitch, when Kim was a friend to the show, season 10, and she came out, I believe, part two of the reunion, she told, I believe it was Portia, excuse me, Portia, yep, you can skedaddle, yep, because baby, I'm back to reclaim my seat. And she said next to Andy, Rightfully so, because she is an OG, and her and Nene gave one of the best reunions I have ever seen. I love that reunion. Kenya was not only booted from her original couch, she had to sit in the middle between Candy and Sheree. And I just believe that was a slap in the face of Kenya. Because at the end of the day, Kenya knows how to give a great reunion. And when you want a star to give you a great reunion, you make sure that they are in the seat that's going to give the best performance, i.e. Nene, Kim, Giselle Bryant. Giselle Bryant has never lost her seat. Same thing with Bethany Frankel, Teresa Judice. These are women who never lost their seat as being next to Andy. I believe the only season where... Teresa wasn't next to Andy was season one, I believe. If I can, yeah, I believe season one. I could be wrong, but I believe it was season one. But other than that, Teresa will always sit next to Andy. Period, point in the blank. So for me to see that Kenya did not have that seat, that was a gag. And one thing I know about producing that show for so many years, in addition to, of course, the reunion, 
If you want a good reunion, you have to make sure the seating arrangement is to a T. It has to be perfect. Let me give you guys an example. Season 8 reunion. Kenya Moore was sitting on her original couch, her original seat next to Andy on the left. And Nene Leakes was a friend to the show season 8. And Nene Leakes was not going to be brought out to the reunion until part 3. So that left room for somebody to sit on Nene's couch next to Andy. And there were conversations about who who should sit next to Andy. And they brought up Phaedra. And I was like, Phaedra is going to give you Phaedra if she sits next to the bathroom. Like, Phaedra isn't going to give you much more than what she's going to do. Because Phaedra doesn't care about the sitting assignment. Same thing with Candy. Candy doesn't care where she sits. And regardless of where you sit Candy, she's going to give you the same Candy. So I said to them, y'all need to sit Portia next to Andy. And I said, hear me out. Portia is burgeoning. And this is season eight. I said, Portia is burgeoning in, in being a star of this franchise. And mark my words, if you sit Portia next to Andy, it's going to empower Portia to give you everything because she knows that's a special seat. And Portia is going to take it seriously. And it's going to mean something to Portia if you give her that seat, okay? And if Kenya sees that across from her is Portia, Kenya is going to make sure to give you an even better reunion because at that time they were arch nemesis. And that's the psychology in how you produce a show of this magnitude. So that's why season eight reunion was also a really good reunion because it's all about the seating assignment. So to see that Kenya was on the opposite couch that she's used to and in the middle, I'm not surprised that Kenya gave y'all nothing. Because Kenya was probably in her mind thinking like, y'all got me fucked up. And I'm sorry, y'all had her fucked up. And it explains why this reunion part one was okay. It wasn't spectacular. It was very reminiscent of last season's dreadful reunion where it was just okay. Like nothing to me happened that was spectacular. I mean, look, your boy loved the fact that Martel Holt from my creation, Love and Marriage Huntsville, was talked about. They even talked about Melody. And it's funny because they talked about them without using their names. But, child, we all know. They talked about Martel, Sheree's new person of interest. <laughs> I can't say boyfriend because Sheree said, that's not my boyfriend. And, yes, I'm very much aware that saying person of interest is giving very much law and order, SBU. So I get it. <laughs> but honey, I don't know what to call uh, that relationship. So Sheree's lover, Martel Hulk, was brought up at the reunion and they brought up the fact that Wow, you dating somebody who people are saying treated his ex-wife horribly, had a baby on her. So we all know they were talking about Melody Cherie, his ex-wife who dropped the name Holt and goes by Melody Cherie. Okay. So I enjoyed that because, <laughs> I mean, honey, you just can't escape Carlos King, honey. Speaking of which, so 
outside of that mention with Sheree and Martell, I thought that was funny. I really enjoyed that. Um, the Candy and Marlo thing fell flat to me because I wanted more. But what's so interesting, and listen, this is my opinion, so take it. <laughs> as fact. I'm teasing. But we all know that this podcast has driven conversation and viewership to this season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta because on my podcast, Marlo and Sheree have said some things about Candy that have been picked up by the press, the blogs, everywhere. And it's interesting because it's evident that they could not or chose to edit it out. The fact that what Marlo and Sheree said about Candy on my podcast is really the reason why this beef has happened, which is why Sheree was so confused. Like, what do you talk? I don't talk about you. You talk about me and your confessionals. She made a comment. But we all knew it had to do with my podcast. So on my podcast, Sheree talked about how she felt that it wasn't fair that Candy has said publicly that if Phaedra was to come back on the show, that she would leave. That Candy would leave if Phaedra came back on the show. And Sheree said on my podcast that uh, she did not feel like that was right and how she is an OG, meaning Sheree, and that her, Nene, and Kim would always give everything to the show. And they never cared about who you brought on. They felt like, look, bring any bitch on. I'm going to give you my reality. And Sheree thought that wasn't fair. And that hit the blogosphere like crazy. And apparently, that's what got some people upset. In addition to that, Marlo came on my podcast and said that Candy doesn't do much for the Black community, that instead of selling sex toys, she should be helping out the community. So when Candy said on the reunion that you said I don't help people, you said I don't help people, she's talking about the podcast. But of course, they could not talk about the podcast because at the end of the day, <laughs> from Love and Marriage Huntsville, Martell and Melody, and my podcast, that's really what the part one was about. So I just wanted to give you guys context because I saw that a lot of the feedback on social media was, I'm confused. Is it really about Marlo getting a show with Todd? Like, what is this? We all were confused because the root of their issue has a lot to do with what Marlo said on my podcast about Candy. And look, listen to that particular episode with Marlo and you will see what I'm talking about. Okay? So there we have it. Other than that, I'm trying to think, guys, what else was interesting about this reunion. I mean, look, I thought Drew um, was funny. I enjoy more of this Drew. Drew and Sonya sitting next to each other was just weird. Like, why would you sit two rivals next to each other? It's like sitting Nene and Sheree next to each other. It's like sitting Kenya and Portia next to... It's, it's, it was just... It didn't make any sense. So, if I was producing this season, this would have been Carlos King's seating assignment for this reunion. So on the left couch, it would have been Kenya next to Andy, Candy next to Kenya, 
and then Drew next to Candy, okay? So on the left side of the couch, I would have had Andy, Kenya, Candy, Drew, okay? On the other side of the couch, I would have had Andy, Marlo, Sheree, and Sonya. That would have been my seating assignment if I was producing this season because that, to me, would have made the most sense in terms of chemistry, um, seeing how the two people who don't get along, i.e. Kenya Marlo, Candy and Sheree, Drew and Sonya, that they'll be able to see each other face-to-face and just, like, talk to each other and go at it. That would have been my scenic assignment. So let me know if you guys would agree with me. Do y'all agree with my seating assignment? Let me know by tweeting me, hashtagging reality with the king. So overall, I give this reunion, I give it a C plus. I was going to say C minus. I'll give it a C plus because I did enjoy hearing Marlo's backstory. I would not have ended the episode on that, personally. I would have put that in the middle. That's that's just me. Because when you end a part one reunion, you need to cliffhang it on something that would bring people back to part two. So, yeah. That would have been me. Okay, so, I give it a C plus. Like I said, I can't make any promises that I'm going to review part two or three. I guess you just have to wait and see. Don't you go anywhere. Stay tuned for my conversation with Latrice. We'll be right back after this quick break. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Bell Collective's Latrice Rogers. Hey, Raindrops. So I got my girl from Bell Collective. You know, she calls herself the Beyonce of Jackson. She is a diva, honey. She also considers herself the real star, yes, of Bell Collective. I'm talking about the one y'all love, baby, Miss Latrice Rogers. Hey, Raindrops. Thank you so much, Carlos, for having me on today. So let's get right into it. (laughs) <laughs> Bell Collective is such a big show. It's a huge hit for the Oprah Winfrey Network. People are loving this season. But before we get into all that, talk to the audience about you. Because one thing that I have said to my audience about you is, when I first laid eyes on you, I was like, oh, hunty, she is a star She is meant to be on television. This girl is everything. So... Did you always know that you would be in front of the camera and famous? I did not. And honestly, I always tell people it's thanks to you because you believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. So that gave me the confidence when you came through and was like, listen, girl, you're a star. Like, I didn't see myself as that person, but I've always been like the person behind the scenes and I'm a hell of a business owner. Hell, I'm probably the only business, real business owner. But that's an, that's another conversation. But the show is just amazing. Like, I'm glad that the people perceived it the way that they did. Because honestly, I'm, I'm an introvert. And a lot of people don't see that. But, you know, that's just my, that's my personality. And 
you know, I don't know. I just love it. Thank you, Carlos, for giving me this opportunity. Once again, I always thank you for that. But also, you know, because now my business, it was already worldwide, but now it's another spectrum. So you can't, to me, you can't pay for this type of publicity. And you gave me that opportunity. So I'll always be grateful. Ah, uh, thank you, Tree Tree. That means a lot to me because mm-hmm. look, at the end of the day, I know that my purpose is to make people happy in general. And obviously, as the owner of this production company, it's to make people famous, it's to make people, businesses thrive. And the one thing about creating Bell Collective for me was the opportunity to show successful Black women in Jackson, Mississippi, similar to what I did with Love & Marriage Huntsville, which was show successful Black people living in what some people would consider like the forgotten town. And I feel like Jackson was like that for a large part of the population in the world. So I'm honored that you have given me my flowers, but I'm going to give them back to you, honey, because you are such a joy to watch on the show. When you were approached to do Bell Collective, did you have any reservations to showing your life so the world can judge you, considering you are an introvert. I definitely had all the reservations. Like, you know, like, you literally had to talk my husband into joining the show because our life is so private. As Libras, you know, we tend to overanalyze and overthink everything. And you know that about me. You're like, you're overthinking, Latricia. I Uh overthink everything because I want everything to be perfect. And, you know, when people see me, As a business owner, I always want to put my best foot forward because I know people are always watching, especially, you know, little girls, little boys that look up to me. So I always want to present myself with reality TV. I didn't know, like, it was an unknown territory. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to look so crazy because we film so much and we don't know what you guys are going to air. And we film crazy stuff. So, you know, like I said, I'm always overanalyzing and overthinking how am I going to look, you know, did I say the wrong thing? But, you know, I'm, I just gave the raw, the real me and people, I was overthinking how people were going to perceive me and they actually took me for what it was and was like, we love her. No, they do. They, they love you, girl. What makes you the Beyonce of Jackson, honey? <laughs> because I'm the only <laughs> one with a real fucking business. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shady, honey. Shay. I am not shady, honey. You know, you get... I love that you give all the girls their flowers, honey. And we do have some boss women in Mississippi. And I love the cast that I film with. Love them to death. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get messy now. Mm-hmm. Oh, shady honey, that's already... That has already started. But no, go ahead, baby. So I would say what makes me to Beyonce. You know, to me, Beyonce is perfection. She... Like me, I think she overanalyzes everything. She wants everything to be exactly the way that it should be. And, you know, as you can see, anything that I do, I put my heart and my soul into it. So, you know, I'm going to do it to the best of my fucking ability. And that's a Beyonce. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that I look like Beyonce or, you know, I would say that's a Beyonce fucking perfection. She has a definition. Her name is a definition. You better, baby. She is an adjective, a verb, a pronoun, 
a noun. <laughs> yes. When you pursue anything in life, you should be the Beyonce of your world. You know what I'm saying? Like you should, yes. you should strive for perfection in the sense of just being great. And she represents that. And yes. I also heard that Beyonce may, may be a watcher of Bell Collective. <laughs> I know I'm her favorite. She's like, that girl real. That's the only one. Oh, well, Beyonce, if you're watching the show, I love you. I just love her. (laughs) Oh, and she loves me. So look, (laughs) who you don't love seems to be Marie Monroe. Um, One of the (laughs) things... Let's get right into it, sis. Mm -hmm. What we have seen... When it comes to reality television, there always seems to be two cast members who just do not get along. And they just are oil and water. We've seen it with Nene and Kim on Atlanta Housewives. We've seen it with Tiffany Pollard, you know, I Love New York, and every other girl that came her way. We see it with Melody and Tisha on Love and Marriage Huntsville. Ashley and Winter on Love and Marriage DC. We're even seeing it now with Aikisha and Letitia, who's fighting to be the queen of Jackson <laughs> and the queen of Fair Street, honey. But when it comes to you and Marie, without giving so much away, because we will, we want you know people to still watch the season. What is it about Marie where you two just do not get along? I mean, one thing for sure, two things for certain, a jealous person will lie. You know, my mom always told me that. And when it comes to Marie, I think I'm actually what she wants to be, what she aspires to be. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to back down to her. Let's, let's, regardless of the age difference or whatever, like you're not, you're not going to talk to me any type of way. She knows my life. She did enough research out here to know what it is when it comes to me. And one thing about it, any, anything that she re- researched, it came back fact. And that's one thing that me and my husband made sure. He was like, listen, when we do this reality TV, because people fact check, and I don't want you to go back and be like, oh, my God, Latrice lied about this. She lied about that. Whatever you see me do or talk or say on the show, that's what it is. And I can't say the same for everybody that's on the show. Love them to death. You know, like I said, they're all boss women. But sometimes we over-exaggerate our bossiness. And I think with her, because she knows, you know, my presence, my persona, just everything is what it is. And she just can't take it. So. (laughs) You are a shade tree. I am not. Listen, that's your title. (laughs) I'm the king of reality TV, but you may be the queen of shade in Jackson. I, listen, that's really Akeisha. When I say that, she quick with I was like, I never want to go up against her, girl. You're my friend. <laughs> 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 that girl, she is quick on her feet. And you she know, is. And Libras, like, we don't like the drama. We don't like the mess. I'll sit here and look at you or I'll walk away in a heartbeat because, honey, if it's not about coins or my family, what are we sitting here talking about? So... Yeah. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you you brought up something so interesting in the sense of how sometimes 
women and men who get on reality TV can over-exaggerate their success. They can call themselves millionaires when they're not or say they own these businesses when they may be renting some stuff, right? So one of the feedback that we got about Bell Collective when the show first started, um, a lot of the viewers were like, now look, I don't think all these women are multimillionaires. But to our credit, no one ever said it if they weren't to me, right? Like, not all five cast members said we're millionaires. No, they definitely didn't. Yeah. You said you were one, and Marie Monroe said she was one. But let's focus on you really fast. Are you a multi-millionaire Latrice Rogers? According to my tax returns and the IRS and me having to fucking pay them all this money, I would say yes. You better work, bitch. Yes. Like I said, I don't fabricate anything because anything can be researched. So if you research anything about me, whatever I say out of my mouth, it's going to come back at just as that. Listen, you you see what's up. No, look, I have been to Latrice's estate. Latrice owns an estate of acres and acres of land. And if you're a fan of Bell Collective, you saw some of that season one where Miss Thing had to go on a golf cart just to go down to the gazebo. Like, if that ain't yeah. flossing... I don't know what is, but her house is gorgeous. You know, no shade. You know, Latrice's house is similar to mine. <laughs> it is. Honestly, it is. It is no shade. <laughs> no shade. I face, I literally FaceTimed you one day, and I was like, why the hell does your house look like our house? So... Because, baby, Libras love coins and real estate. Sure do. But mm-hmm. teach the girls and the guys who are listening how you were able to be this woman who grew up as a little girl in Jackson with with, with humble beginnings, and you amassed to be a multimillionaire in your own hometown. Tell us how you were able to become successful, although growing up in your environment, nothing spoke to, you know, the, the success you have now. Honey, I could talk about this story all day. I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. But, um, you know, I grew up in a small town called Ken, Mississippi. Like, my father, he was on drugs. My brothers, they were into the street life because they felt like, you know, I have to pick up the slack for my father. And let's face it, most boys, young black males, they aren't shown the right way to do things. So they revert to violence or, you know, robbing, stealing, stealing drugs. Like, that's a typical of what I grew up around and what I saw, like I can remember sleeping at night and the police kicking our door in and dogs are over our head, guns that pointing at us and we're kids. So, you know, it was, I came from very humble beginnings where I didn't see or I, I didn't have anybody to look up to. So I was the first one to ever go to college. You know, they always tell you that you go to college and you graduate, you'll, you know, have this six figure job and you'll be good. But in my case, that wasn't, you know, it didn't work out like that. I, I don't know. I watched too many movies as a child. And as Libras, you know, we're thinkers and we imagine a lot of stuff and how we want our world to be. And we won't stop until it's exactly that way. We're hard driven. Mm-hmm. So went to college, um, graduated, working at Office Depot. And I was making like $8 an hour. And I was like, fuck no. You know, my parents here, she's proud of me because, you know, my mom, she's just looking at it like my baby graduated from college. And she doesn't know the, you know, that society really sets you up. Listen, this is a whole scam. To me, college is a scam. If you're not going for 
you know, doctors or engineers to me is a waste. I'm also a college dropout. I dropped out of college my junior year. And I dropped out because I got a job working at BET. And I said, look, bitch, look here. Half of you people in my class want to get a job at BET. I am already 10 steps ahead of y'all. So I remember Latrice leaving my geography class. And I knew that I wanted to be in television. And I thought to myself, why the fuck am I in geography class when I'm not going to use any of this skill set for my career? I thought it was the dumbest thing to me. So I remember leaving class, chucking the deuces at the <laughs> hundreds of people in that freaking auditorium. And I said, you guys will see me later. I, 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 I got to go. So I'm, I'm with you there. Like, in yes. terms of college is not for everybody. And unless you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or like you said, an engineer, where there's certain positions that you need the college education... I just don't believe that you should waste your money on getting a degree if you know that you're able to get a job without it. That's my opinion. I know it's unpopular, but you're speaking to two people who have similar homes that um, are speaking facts. So continue, Latrice. (laughs) Thank you for that. So um, working at Office Depot, making $8 an hour. So I always knew that I wanted better for myself and that, you know, working for the white man is, wasn't going to get me there. So saved up about, it was about three, four, three to $500. And I bought my first batch of hair. And for whatever reason, like I was always, like I was always fascinated with beauty and hair and, you know, makeup, nails, all of that. Like that's always been something that I was passionate about. And one thing about it, like when it comes to selling hair, the field was so diluted and people can say, oh, it's just selling hair. But at the end of anybody can do it. Just like, you know, anybody can, hell, anybody can go to school. Anybody can tie their shoes. Anybody can sell water. You know, Mm -hmm. with me, like, people look at selling hair like, oh, girl, you just sell hair. But, honey, I built an empire out of it because, you know, I had a debate with a doctor. You know, you went to school all these years to become a doctor, and here it is, a person that can sell T-shirts is making more money than you. So you can't, you know, you can't get mad at that. Like, you have to respect the hustle. And with me, you know, I I don't like to say I have a hustle mentality, but I have a brilliant mentality. And with hair, like, it, it was like a, a snowball effect. When I first put it on the market, like, the town was going crazy. I would literally be sitting in the Target parking lot, and I would have, like, people lined up, like, around my car down the block trying to get hair out of my car. So it kind of started from there. And like I said, it was a snowball effect. I went into my first brick and mortar. I got my first vending machine. And a lot of people don't know, and I think I just got into it this season, is I took my money from hair and I started investing it into real estate. So it, I'm more than just that. I, that's where I started from. So I always rip, oh, you know, I'm a, a hair connoisseur. But, you know, I have rental properties. I buy land. I mean, when me and my husband first met, like, he didn't have a woman like me. Like, I'm telling him, I'm going and I'm paying cash for houses. Like, listen, we need to buy homes. We need to buy houses. So... You know, a lot of people can say, oh, well, um, her husband is older and he did this and he did that. And I can tell the people all day and they still won't believe me. But my husband would tell you, honey, I put fucking money in his account. Like I, me and my husband get money together. So we make a hell of a team, which why you think he want to pop a baby in me? 
Because, baby, Clifton Rogers, a.k.a. Zaddy, wants to make sure that he also has a billion-dollar baby child. That's right. Listen, don't play with me. I be telling people, don't play on my top. Don't. <laughs> Listen. So, to, to, to dispel the rumors, did Zaddy fund your business? Did he give you startup money to start your hair business? I wish he did, honey. Listen, and I asked, and he was like, no. I'm not gonna lie, I asked him. I was like, um, are you gonna help me? He was like, mm-mm. We did the grand opening, and I'll never forget. Um, we had a line. It was so hot outside. We had, like, hundreds of people lined up to get hair. And I was like, hey, can you go get my customers some water? Because, you know, I want to, you know, I don't want them out there dehydrating trying to get some hair or falling out. And he would not. He was like, no, you need to run me my money. You need to give me my money for this water. I'm not going to get a face. I was like, water? That man, and he would tell you, he did not fund my business. I wish he did. I'm not going to lie. I wish he did. But I'm so glad that I did do it myself in the same sense. But hell, I'm not going to turn down money. And then if he did fund my business, it doesn't take away from where my business is today. I did that. And by me saying this, people will still be like, oh, he still funded her business. You believe what you want. No, no, no. And, 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 and Zaddy has already corroborated the story that he did not give you any money. That, listen... And for me, it's more so like, yes, a black woman can be a self-made millionaire. Stop thinking that all women have to marry a rich man in order for her to be rich. Or she has to get seed money from her man in order for her to start her business. Like, we are on a network that was founded by a black woman who is a self-made yeah. billionaire and who's also from Mississippi. So it goes to show you okay. that there is something in Mississippi, baby, that is producing these smart, beautiful, successful, intelligent, hardworking women who are definitely following the steps in which Oprah Winfrey has created for herself. For sure. Thank you, Lady O, as well, for giving me this opportunity. Yes. We, we, we love, love Lady O down here. Yes, we love you, Lady O. Okay, so going back into this season, we are seeing that there's two new bells on the show. We got Aikisha and Soguchi. Do you think Aikisha and Soguchi brought something different than the show than season one? Oh, most definitely. Um... Gucci brings that funniness, her and JJ. I love them together as a couple. Um, you guys are going to enjoy diving more into their lives because they they have some issues, honestly. Like, they got some issues. It's more than the, the funniness, the, you know, what meets the eye. Listen, Akeisha and Gucci, they came in swinging. And the show would not be what it is, honestly, without them. They brought a great addition to the show. No, I, I I agree. I agree. And listen, this season, Latrice, is so spectacular. People are loving it. And what I like about this season, too, is all the women are born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. And for me, mm-hmm. as a creator of shows, there's always something special when you have people who were born and raised in a town that's also a character in the show. And Jackson, Mississippi is definitely a character. And Aikisha brings this this um, legacy based on her lineage. Yeah. And so Gucci and JJ bring comedy and, and, and levity to the show. 
Based on this season, obviously we know that Antoinette decided not to return to a second season of Bell Collective. Yeah. And you two obviously um, had this budding friendship season one. My my raindrops would like to know if you and Antoinette are still friends. Yes, me and Antoinette, Antoinette um, we're still cordial. <laughs> Listen, don't start because you're so messy. You said cordial, so go ahead. I'm listening. No, we're cordial. Like, I can call her. She'll still call me. It's not as strong as it was. Let's face it, like, the show brought us, we knew each other and we hung out. Like, we have mutual friends. So, you know, we would see each other in the same circle. But the show, being on a show together, it brought us closer. And now that she's not on the show, it's kind of like back to where we were. Like, we're cordial in the sense of, you know, when I see you, I see you. I might call you to ask you something, but when I see you, I see you. And I still love her. Yes, and I do too. Um, Have you heard from her since the show's been airing? I have not. Which is crazy. Like, um, I think when the show first, no, it was when we were getting ready to go into filming or whatever. And she was like, you don't call me because the show, because of the show and I'm not on the show. And I'm like, girl, I'm fucking busy. For one, the show takes up so much time out of my day. And then I have a business to run. So I didn't have time for anyone. So if you said that, you know, I didn't know where it was coming from. And I thought she would understand because you have a dental office and you know what it's like filming. So, I don't know. (laughs) Feel my girl. No, listen. uh, When she decided not to return, it was definitely um, something that she wanted to do to focus on her business. And we wish her well. We do. Um, But the good news is this season, nothing has felt off. Everything has felt like we are back being bosses. We're back to being great. Yes. Now we have a situation that's coming up on these episodes where Aikisha allegedly called the girls ugly. And her and Letitia just seem to be at odds. So number one, let me ask you this. Do you think Aikisha called the girls ugly? And number two, what is going on between Aikisha and Letitia in your opinion? Listen, she may have called the girls ugly. I know she wasn't talking about me. <laughs> My thing is, I mean, you're not going to sit here and say that you've never called a person ugly. So her opinion is her opinion. She may not, she may or may not think the ladies, you know, look up to par. This, I can't control how she feels. So it get over it. We're grown women. Whatever she feels about me is how she feels. Honey, I know what it is when it comes to me. I know I can step out and I can take the next person man if I wanted to. So <laughs> Speak the truth, shame the devil, honey. Mm-hmm. But with her and Tisha, it may be a little jealousy here and there. On whose part, though? Oh, Carlos. Why well, I gotta talk about this? Both of my girls. I like both of I them. I love both of them. But when you say there could be a little bit of jealousy, is it from both sides? Or is it Aikisha's side or Letitia's side of jealousy? No, I really think it's, it may be a power struggle. Like, having some new people come in when we're actually, we're the OGs, you know, you're gonna look at it like, you know, I know this bitch then. You know, that that's how some of the women are Looking at the situation, child, listen. <laughs> I keep saying, Tisha, I, I don't know if they'll ever be cordial with each other because it's just, it's too much animosity and it's too much, you know, I'm, 
I'm Queen B. No, I'm Queen B. You know, when it shouldn't be that way. But I understand where I understand where both of them is coming from. Tisha, she has a point to prove. Akeisha has a point to prove. Like Akeisha, I'm I'm the baddest bitch. Like my family, I own Jackson. And Tisha, bitch, no, you did. I started this. I started Ferris Street. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even thought of Ferris Street. <laughs> oh, them girls, I love them. Oh, I, I love them. I love them too. And I'm loving this season. Before I let you go, we recently taped the reunion. And without giving so much away, Latrice, oh, Beyonce knows Carter Rogers. What can you share with my listeners about the reunion of Bell Collective that's coming up? Um, what I can say is, like I said before, a person that lies, I guess they feel like they have a lot to gain. So for me, what I want the viewers to do is actually listen, watch what a person is saying, because, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, Marie, she's a great storyteller. Like, she can sit here and tell a story and you'll be like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, that's that's what it is. And that's not what the fuck it is, you know? So be mindful, watch, really analyze and listen. The reunion was a bit much for me. Like, I, you know it. You know the reunion was a lot. And I had a, so much that I want to say. And that's the thing I love about myself and I hate about myself. I got so much shit on, listen, anybody, everybody can get it, but I choose not to. Like, I always like to take the high road and be like, okay, well, you know, regardless of what they do to me, I still, you know, I don't, I don't want to take it there. Well, you kind of took it there, Latrice, without spoiling it. <laughs> no, 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 because I could have took it further. Oh, really? Okay. The thing is, like, why would you play with me when you know I, girl, I know, probably know your social security number. Don't play with me. (laughs) Now, now I I did the on the surface stuff, but I could have took it there and you would have been like, Latrice, you're no longer welcome on this show. (laughs) Real talk. Lord Jesus. And I be telling the people, like, don't, don't play with me because you know, you know what's up. You know what's up. And that's, I love my people, the people that surround me, I'm from the hood to wherever. Like, I'm I'm highly protected and well-respected. So, yeah. Whew. But I can't wait to see the reunion. I'm excited to see it. it so, I, I spoke to Letitia last week. I'm speaking to you now. This reunion, my, my raindrops, it is one you do not want to miss. But we still have more episodes of Bill yeah. Collective, and... This season, I just want to thank you, Latrice, for coming back to another season of Bell Collective. This has been enjoyable to watch. I love every single thing about this season. It's fantastic. It's funny. It's shady. And again, without me even giving away the reunion, the best part about this reunion, and I'm going to go on record by saying this, I produced many reunions in my career. This is by far top two of the best reunions. <laughs> oh, okay. Girl, that I've been a part of, and I'm gonna I'm I'm say why. Please enlighten me. It was definitely dramatic and shady and it, intense and all that stuff. But one thing I love is when I'm able to laugh. And I laughed <laughs> for six hours 
Because even when you girls are going <laughs> at it, it's funny because y'all are shady in a, in a in a comedic way. And it's not like you're scared or you're worried somebody's going to pop somebody in the head. Like, there's none of that. It's more so like, it's funny. And, and I think that also represents why people love this season so much because even when y'all are shady towards each other, it's still funny. I mean, the fact that you told Essie with the messy... That she's that she reeked a white diamonds that broke Twitter. <laughs> oh my God. The, listen, and I love Essie. She's a more more sensible <laughs> one. Um I can I can honestly tell who runs the business. <laughs> I'm not gonna say the business sis. The business. Shade. <laughs> but <laughs> right. Well, take it however you want it. People need to wake up and start oh, watching, listening. Really listening. <laughs> but honestly, listen, this reunion, they'll get to see another side of you. I was like, right. What you know? Well, not to give too much away. You know, we had moments and you had a moment. You know, it was just, it was Ooh, really good. Wait. It was good. <laughs> give the listeners, a, so listen, no, I'm not going to say spoiler alert, but yes, I did host the reunion, obviously, but you're saying that I surprised you during the reunion. Yes. I was like, you know, when I call you Reginald, huh? Like, Reginald? Yeah, I saw a different part of you. I knew you had that in you. But I was like, oh. So I... I hope y'all don't. I hope y'all put that part in there. Oh, it's it's definitely going to be put in, honey. Absolutely. Especially now that my listeners are like, okay, bitch, I need to see this other side of Carlos King that Latrice is saying she's never seen before. So that's enough tea for y'all today. But before I let you go, Latrice, tell my listeners where they can find you and follow you and support you, my love. Oh, for sure. So you can find me on Instagram, Latrice Rogers Official, Facebook, Latrice Rogers, Instagram, Latrice underscore Rogers one. And your business is too, boo. So you can find me on goddesslinks.com, fiveStareventwatch.com, or, you know, <laughs> honey, I'm Googleable. <laughs> and on that note, Google the girl. But remember, guys, Bell Collective airs every Friday night at 9 o'clock, 8 central on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Such a lovely tree. She is funny and absolutely shady. The rest of the season is so good, and I cannot wait for you guys to unpack it all and make sure in the next week or two, we have the two-part reunion of Bell Collecta and why I said it is one of the best reunions I have ever been a part of. And don't forget... An all-new episode comes on tonight at 9 o'clock, 8 central on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Here's a clip from tonight's episode of Bell Collective. She put security on you. Yeah. <laughs> For me, there's so many holes. What was security going to do? Girl, bad. Leave our names out of your mouth. Oh, hell no. Nah. Bell Collective. New episode, Friday at 9, 8 central. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, 
follow and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag RealityWithTheKing. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Additional production support by Corinne Wallace and Alexis Williams. Engineering and music by Marcus Hall. More sauce. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.